Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the Dollars and Cents podcast with your host, Nicole Romino. Nicole, it's great to be with you again. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bill. Uh, how are you today? I'm, I'm actually doing really, really well. I'm excited about this guest. I caught a little bit of the preamble as we were getting ready to record, and mm. I, I, I think I'm going to need to take notes. Yes, uh, I I, th- I think you should. <laughs> and I know I'm going to probably be listening to this episode a few times uh, to prepare myself <laughs> for our topic today. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, I'm super excited, Bill. Uh, my guest who is in studio with me today is Brendan Kernan. And we are going to talk about how um, I think all of us and certainly our listeners can prepare for the holidays um, as that typically is a time of high stress for all of us. So, Brendan, welcome in. So glad to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be with you, Nicole. Great. Well, before we get into the topic at hand, uh, I'm going to give a little bit of your um vast background and bio so our listeners know a little bit about you. Um, Brendan has served as a partner in a national law firm and in various roles in the public sector, including general counsel of the Illinois Finance Authority. He has seen the effects of what happens when one's core values do not align with one's profession. And that is a sense of malaise and burnout. As a recovering lawyer, He is now a professional development coach, helping his clients understand why they do what they do in life, and he helps them align their core values with how they work and live for a happier life. He is a certified professional coach and leadership dynamics specialist, as well as a longtime practitioner of mindfulness and meditation, and is a firm believer that happiness is a present attitude, not a future condition. So, Brendan, now that I've shared a little bit about your professional journey, I'd love if you would share with our listeners what you like to do um, when you are not helping people kind of live their best life. Thanks, Nicole. I try to practice what I preach. So I have tried to uh, streamline my life to involve certain calming exercises like exercise, meditation, mindfulness, reading a bunch of things. In addition to regular newspapers and articles, I uh, try to go for a walk every day and connect with people on a level that um, asks them, how are they feeling? How are you really feeling? And get to know them on a personal level. And then reflect back and saying, if something like that happened to me, when I hear about somebody's life experience, how do I think I'd handle that? Because it's very easy to get caught up in the trappings of what I've, I've learned and what I espouse. But I found that a lot of things in, in life are a little bit more complicated than that. And it's easier to look outwards towards others and not always reflect inwards on me. And I've, I've had uh, a really big challenge over the last year because 
I was diagnosed with heart disease. So now it comes a time to practice a lot of these acceptance techniques and calming techniques to try to adapt to a whole new lifestyle. And I think back to all the, the years of practicing law with the stress involved with that, with family dynamics around the holiday season, with uh, the number of marathons that I've run, and all of them bring different stressors, and all of which have pretty much been, I've been asked to modify anything in connection with those because of a new lifestyle to do a, a, heart, a heart diagnosis. And so it, it's given me the opportunity to really practice what, what I preach. And one of the things that I've learned is the importance of being curious, or as a friend of mine used to tell me, be childlike. Think about every day when there's a challenge, think about how a child looks at walking through the forest and seeing butterflies flitting around. What does their eyes look like? What central perceptions do they have in the moment? And recognizing that curiosity can spur one to, uh, to greater understanding of what's going on around them. And it can also relieve a lot of the pressures that we're facing on a, on a regular basis. I, I so agree. Um, every year I pick a word or two that I'm going to kind of have as my theme. And uh, coincidentally, my word for this year is, you know, curious or come from a place of curiosity. And uh, I've noticed a big shift in just my my level of stress and my interactions with people, whether it be on the personal side or the professional side, is if I'm coming from a place of, hmm, that's interesting, tell me more, tell me how you're feeling or how you came to that conclusion versus, you know, making it kind of about me or, you know, they're dismissing me or they're not seeing me or things like that. And it certainly has reduced my level of stress and uh, not only reduced my level of stress, but I think really strengthened my relationships. And, and I agree with that. And I, I like the way that you pose those questions are open-ended questions. It's not like, well, this is what you should do, or this is uh, necessarily would work for me, but right. how do you really feel about that? Tell me a little bit more. I, I'm curious. And I found that's uh, in keeping with our topic for today, that's another way to kind of get through the stresses of the holiday season. Be curious about those you've interacted with. And even if there are triggers from the past, what's changed? Because none of us are the same person we were certainly before COVID hit. Oh my but gosh, even in right? the last couple of years, we're not the same people individually or collectively that we were prior to that time. So a lot of the old tapes from the before time don't apply anymore, but how do we adapt? So I'm curious, how do you adapt in family situations, in holiday situations, in work situations? How are you feeling about that? Is that different than what you were before? Tell me a little bit more, I'm curious. Those are the exact ways to start to approach some of these, these times and these questions. I, yes, I agree. And especially when um, I, I feel that people really, um, they feel special and valued when they're when you're asking the questions just the way you pose them, right? It's like, oh, Brendan is really, he's seeing me or he's curious about how I'm planning to do this or how I'm kind of doing in, you know, the current environment. So it, it does get people to let their guards down. And hopefully, you know, I think, as you said, as we're getting into the year end and whatever holidays um, our listeners may celebrate and however much you 
maybe love your family or enjoy being around them, it doesn't come without stress, regardless of how good the relationships are. So maybe we can talk about, I know as we're, you know, out post-COVID, if you will, what are you seeing um, when you're reading or talking to your clients or even how you're preparing, you know, are people more stressed about family gatherings since the pandemic? And what are some things maybe we can uh, talk our listeners through, especially I know you and I talked about a lot of times like the anticipation can be a lot more stressful than the actual happening or the actual reality of the event. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've uh, well, First, I define the holiday season as commencing right around Thanksgiving time in, in some family dynamics, it may be as early as Halloween, but typically I think of the time period from roughly Thanksgiving through January 2nd, the day after New Year's, because a lot of things happen. There are religious holidays during that time period. There are social gatherings, there are family gatherings. It's a time for families from across the country, around the world to come together. Uh, And I find that a lot of turmoil and uh, and feelings inside can be stirred up during that time period. And I've noticed that with a lot of my clients, as we get closer to that holiday season or a big family gathering, whether it's you know Thanksgiving, religious holiday, New Year's Day, um, there's often preemptive resentments that are forming. I know what you're going to do to hit my trigger buttons. And so I'm gonna respond even before you hit that trigger button is a very common thing that a lot of my clients deal with on a subconscious level. Walking in, they remember what what Aunt Mary said 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and I'm going to be prepared this time that if she says something like that, or Uncle Mike does something else, or my brother or my sister do what they did when we were nine years old, then I have a response to that. But that's setting us up for a stressful time and interaction that may or may not play out. But if we go in with that mindset, it's often difficult to undo those stress management things. So it really comes back to what we said a moment ago. Be curious, be childlike. Hey, how are things going today? How are things been going the last year or so? Tell me a little bit more. What's what's the important thing that happened to your life? What's changed? Uh, even Even if you shared with me some things over the last year, we're now in person giving a hug, giving a handshake or a hug, that personal connection can start to eliminate any of the tensions in the family that may have happened in the past. And the same thing is true in the business world. As you know, for many of us in my profession towards the end of the year is a time when deals had to close because a lot of investment bankers and bond attorneys were basing year-end bonuses based on what happened at the end of a calendar year. So there's a heightened tension to get involved with closing the deal. And often that creates stress because we're not near our families. We're not engaged as much, even if we're at the, the holiday dinner, we're not engaging with them because we're so concerned about the other part of our life and the professional life. So even making simple connections like a big hug and maybe a couple of seconds longer than you're used to, even to that Mm -hmm. point where you feel what the other person is sending you. And then it's okay just to say, thank you. And I'm glad to see you. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. Um, uh, uh, The year end in in my industry as well is is pretty hectic. Um, 
fortunately, you know, we're planners. So we try <laughs> to get, you know, we don't leave things to the last minute. Um, but still it is, I would say, certainly through mid-December, it's it's the it's the push, if you will. So one thing I'm thinking of is, you know, if like you were talking about trying to close the deals and things like that, you're doing that for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, for a personal sense of accomplishment, but also too, like by doing a good job at your career or your firm, you're providing for your loved ones. But it's interesting that in providing for them, that could be in direct conflict with being present or being able to perhaps um, attend all the activities or attend to the degree that you may want to. So how do you recommend maybe communicating, whether it's with a spouse or a partner, the kids, whoever it is in your family unit, any tips on that of of how do you share that without, I guess, maybe stressing them out, but trying to explain to them, here's what I'm doing and why, and let's talk about some ways that we can still be together and be present during the holiday season. Mm -hmm. In the vein of continuing to be curious, asking a spouse or a partner, how do you feel about my year end pressures? Uh, How does it make you feel when we're at, at dinner and my phone goes off or it's a really important client call? Uh, Again, part of it may be the industry that you're in, the professional environment that you're in, whether you feel that you're on call 24-7, the need to respond. But anytime that we react to things like messages on our phone, we're taking away time from those who are in front of us. Right. So how do we ask the person, our spouse, our children, and, and of course, it varies depending on whether your children are four or five years old or 18 to 20 years old, just as two examples. Sure. How do you feel when I answer this phone? Uh, What are you thinking? Are you thinking that I'm ignoring you? Are you aware? Or do you think that I'm providing for you that this is what puts food on the table? This is what pays our mortgage? Um, Because the perception of the other person has a big role in the, the stressors around us at any time. And my perception could be completely different from your perception of the same, uh, the same fact pattern. And I could think this is necessary for me to provide the income, which provides the house, which provides this dinner. But my spouse or my children can say, you're ignoring me. You don't care about me. Can't you take one hour off? And so be curious. Mm -hmm. And even before the gathering, talk to your spouse, talk with your loved ones and say, how do you really feel? I mean, when when you see this, what's your interpretation about what I'm doing? Because if we are on different planes, the same stimulus can evoke a completely different response. And that can snowball into acceptance and calmness, or it can respond in heightened tensions and more stress. Yes. Well, I think... Uh, Well, I I won't speak for our listeners, but I know I would rather be on the side of uh, it resulting in acceptedness and calmness. So, you know, as as we are preparing for the holiday season for people, our listeners, you know, we've gotten through Thanksgiving at this point, but we still have time to prepare for the holidays that fall in December and then also New Year's. Uh, And then I know there's some even that spill a little further out in January. 
What are some of the techniques or ideas in addition to staying curious and, you know, asking questions and, you know, talking to the people you're going to be with about how they're feeling or what they're thinking? What are some things you can do, our listeners can do for themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you're in the situation, you're at mom and dad's house or grandma's house or your adult children's house, right? Wherever it is. Um, so maybe you're not in your own home space or maybe you are because everyone's come to you. So what are some ideas or tips you have um, that we can employ to get towards that feeling of calmness and um, acceptedness? A lot of this is what I refer to as a what-if situation. And we can do the planning stages starting today for holiday gatherings and ask ourselves, what if this happens? Uh, And the context of that is, what are my coping techniques? Now, there are both healthy and unhealthy coping techniques. And especially at the end of the year, a lot of times we fall back into unhealthy coping techniques. And the two most predominant ones are drinking because it lubricates us and gets us more social and brings a lot of frivolity. But it also is a downside of drinking too much or Mm -hmm. working, working to the exclusion of families around us. So identify whether those are coping techniques and how well have they served us. The other side of the equation are healthy coping techniques which can be curiosity through sensual representations, exercise, nature, uh, meditation. And there are some techniques that we can use a lot that I think help in advance of getting into a stressful situation. One of which is just a breathing technique where you can calm yourself. And this can be done anywhere. Even if you're in the middle of a family gathering, you can excuse yourself and go to the restroom and just put your hands up against the wall, quietly have a a tactile sensation and breathe. Mm -hmm. Take three or four breaths in, three or four breaths out. And depending on how you're breathing, there are different relaxation effects on your body and we're all a little bit different. But I mean, the four are known as earth, fire, water, and wind breathing. Earth breathing is where you breathe in through the nose, out through the nose, fire, in through the nose, out through the mouth, water, in through the mouth, out through the nose, and wind, in through the mouth, out through the mouth. And each of these stimulates our vagus nerve in a little bit different way, which has a calming effect. So you can go through that progression in a breathing way. The other thing that I like people to do is think about interacting with nature. Now, one of the the difficulties about the holiday season in the Northern Hemisphere is that the days get shorter. But there is a calming effect to be near sunlight and to be near nature. So even being, uh, ideally it would be to take a walk in a forest or a walk along the lakefront or even a walk outdoors, get near sunshine. The, 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 the process of the, the sun's effect on our bodies and our mental spirit is amazing. There's been a lot of research in the last couple of years about how important that is rather than being in a closed room or in a negative situation, whether it's family dynamics or work dynamics. Mm. So getting into a a natural situation, and if you can't go outdoors for a walk, even sitting near a window to have the the sun coming in from a window where you can see some sunlight outside, oddly has benefits, significant benefits towards calming us down and being a healthier lifestyle. And especially if we're outdoors in nature, uh, 
um, again, go back to sensual perception. I'm curious, what is it that I can see around me? What is it that I can hear around me, smell around me, touch around me, or even taste? You know, there are things in the air that we could almost almost taste, like hot apple cider. If we're walking around outside and we're, we're chilly and we get that little shivering, but we, as we huddle ourselves up, we can almost taste being um, around a fireplace, sipping a, a little glass of, of apple cider. So all of these sensual perceptions help bring us in, in contact with our inner selves and calms us down. The old fight or flight system response that we have is stimulated in a calming respect when we return to nature and how our central perception around us is impacting us moment to moment. Yeah, it's interesting. And and not only what I noticed, the other theme is you're unplugged. So if you're taking a walk or you go to have, you know, five minutes by yourself, you're not listening to music, listening to the latest episode of the Dollars and Cents podcast. Um, Although you should. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's this one. I agree. Listen to it three times at a minimum. <laughs> but that you are really connecting with the environment or the external world. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like that's probably doing uh, either whether it's the vagus nerve or touching different parts of your brain or your nervous system by doing the different senses or like touching something, you're grounding yourself to say, hey, wait a minute, let's take a step away from this and just, you know, take a minute to breathe and let's just notice what's around us. Mm-hmm. One other thing that is along the same lines is to remember that silence is okay. <laughs> oftentimes we oftentimes we get into family dynamics yes. or work dynamics yes. and we feel the need to constantly participate. Oh my gosh, if there's guilty. a pause, if there's a pause, I have to say something because this is really uncomfortable. Right. And oftentimes what's happening in a moment of silence are is it the the person is thinking about their reaction, their response. You know, we we often think about stimulus and response as being at the doctor's office where they take that hammer and they hit your knee and the knee flies out. And that happens sometimes, but sometimes there's a space. Viktor Frankl says that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And within that space, we formulate our response. So do we react like our knee kicking out or do we respond in a way as, what am I really feeling before I blurt something out or before I act a certain way? So silence is okay. And Don't be afraid of momentary silence because that's a time when we're really getting in touch with our feelings and allow the others, the grace, the the spirit to formulate their response before reacting. And I think about a difference between response and reacting. And oftentimes response is more measured and gives us time to at least think curiously, how else can I look at that? If, If a comment stings us or something happens, do they really mean that? Or am I, can I look at this a different way? And, you know, sometimes that pause can just be enough not to react in a way that's going to escalate the situation. Yeah, I I love that. And um, I, I agree. I am guilty of, of one. I like to talk. <laughs> I like to learn about people. Um, I get a lot of energy from interacting with others. 
Um, but I have found, especially with uh, people, I think, who are uh, like to think before they respond is if if I do just give them the space, then they can process. And um, I think it's kind of just kind of takes the takes the the level down a notch and not that things were getting heated or anything, but it allows, I think, for kind of a more for the for the conversation to go to the next level. At least that's what I have found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that helps. And part of that is giving the group or the person you're talking with time to respond. <laughs> when I was a young lawyer, my mentor used to practice something that that I to this day still try to remember when I'm in a situation that's uncomfortable or starting to escalate. And, you know, at family gatherings in the holiday season, things like politics or religion can also be hot buttons for different people. Yes. And what I remember from exactly. And what I remember from my mentor, when things were starting to escalate, he would say, okay, let's just stop here for a moment. And I want you to listen while I explain to you your position to your satisfaction. And that I will be quiet and you tell me my position to my satisfaction. And what I found is that first de-escalates the situation because we're not trying to get our argument in, but trying to understand where the other person is coming from. But it also means that we're using the same words in the same way. And once we have that starting point, it's a lot easier to move forward. Now, of course, many times, the best solution is let's not talk about politics or religion, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't have to be politics or religion. It could be either the colors of the leaves or something where there are disagreements, but you know, what is the perspective the other person has? Again, it's like being childlike, being curious as to what's going on around you, but also basic understanding. How can I relate to you? How can I be empathetic? How can I be compassionate? How can I be compare, be caring in my approach to you so that we have a better understanding and can really learn from each other? Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, I love that. I think you should, uh, we should have you be the uh, moderator or um, uh, host on all of the news networks. (laughs) Sign me up. All right. I I don't know. Be careful what you wish for or you volunteer (laughs) for. (laughs) So how do you do that? You mentioned, you know, two lightning rod topics of uh, politics and religion, but we also kind of started our conversation off of, uh, you know, family dynamics. Um, I I don't know about you and your family. I mean, you and I are are both adults now, but you go back to the, the family home or you're with siblings and if parents are still alive. And I find that everyone... I'll I'll just speak to my family. We all revert back to like the childhood dynamic and mm-hmm. not in the way that you keep stressing of be childlike, be curious. It's more the whole 
you know, I'm the oldest sister and just that whole dynamic. So how can you maybe be curious or I love how you were like, you know, I'm going to explain your position, Nicole, and then you'll explain my position because that's it's a little different. I would think, you know, if you're talking about sibling rivalries or who was the favorite or right, things like that. Can you mm-hmm. apply that technique to to those conversations or those situations? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't mean to to give the impression that this is easy. This takes hard work. Oh, well, you make it and, sound and- <laughs> easy. I was going to invite you uh, to uh, to Thanksgiving and Christmas with my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds easy, but putting it into action is difficult and it takes practice. I mean, this could take several years of Thanksgiving dinners or sure. Christmas or Hanukkah dinners or uh, or New Year's dinners, you know, bowl games. You, you get to the bowl game and my team is playing your team and uh, only one of them can win. So it, 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 it takes a lot of practice. But I'd like to go back to one of the, the phrases that I used earlier about okay. preemptive resentments. Mm. When we're entering into a situation where there are different dynamics, I can pre-program myself to know that mm-hmm. you are going to say something that's going to irritate me. Now, it could be the the sky is blue today, but the intonation is enough to say she didn't really mean that. That was a personal affront to me. So, you know, what was my what are my motives? What are my fears? And I think that when we look at going into a situation of work or family towards the end of the years when there's high stress levels, Two questions to ask ourselves in advance. The first is, what are my motives? Why am I going to this family dinner? Why am I going to this work function? Is it an obligation? Is it Mm. because mom and dad said I had to? It's because uh, we may have been in a divorce situation and we're trying to reconcile. I mean, there's a variety of things, but my motives, what are my motives in doing this? What am I really trying to get out of this? And the second question is, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of entering this situation? And typically, there are two sub-questions to that. What am I afraid of losing? And what am I afraid I'm not going to get? And if I can answer those two questions or get a better understanding, I can reduce, maybe not eliminate, but I can reduce those preemptive resentments, which often cause an escalation to the point where one person or the other walks out or storms out or causes a kerfuffle to the embarrassment of other people at the event. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, It's interesting that you mentioned, you know, that people are in their heads, whether that's subconsciously or consciously, what am I afraid of losing or what am I not afraid of getting? We have a lot of those conversations with our clients when we're, you know, talking about the investment portfolio as well. So mm-hmm. I, I do think as humans, we are uh, wired or we default to we have a, a much bigger fear of loss versus what am I gaining or getting? So that's that's fascinating that it's kind of playing out across all different uh, parts of our lives and topics of conversation. Mm-hmm. And we talked before about allowing the time, the moment of silence, and that silence is not bad. And the other part of this is that we are human beings. We're not human doings. So when we take that pause to be, just be, we don't have to do. And that kind of fits in with the preemptive resentments that I can allow some things to go by 
because I anticipate it. We talked at the beginning part of this about the what if moments, you know, what if this happens, what am I going to do? So we kind of prepare ourselves um, so that when something negative, a negative consequence happens, we don't have to respond. It's not that automatic knee jerk thing. I'm sorry, react. We respond. We think through that. Okay. You know, maybe three years ago when, when my sister said this or my brother did that, um, I reacted in a way that wasn't the best. But if I had that to do over again, how would I do it? So, you know, we, we take that moment, we take that pause and we allow ourselves to just be and not do something. And that also kind of fits in with all of the, these things with the, the relaxation, the exercise, the getting in touch with nature to allow ourselves um, the, the feelings, the sensitivities that we don't have to react in an aggressive or uh, outlandish manner or in a way that we know is going to trigger the other person. Because I know that in my background, there are certain people that I know I can trigger if I say this or that, or remember the time that this happened and <laughs> I know it's going to generate a response. I've never so, been in those situations. <laughs> then that's <laughs> why you're a better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of those what if situations, will I be aware that my instinct is, well, my instinct may be to bring up that situation. I'm going to refrain from that this time and say, you know, tell me a little bit more about how you're responding or reacting to what just happened. Um, and again, this is not something that's going to happen this year. In right. Most not, cases. A one, not a one it, and done. No, because you also don't know, we don't know the background of the person that we're integrating with. You know, it's, it's fine if I'm coming from a, a Zen-like perspective, but if somebody <laughs> else is not, they're going to look at me like I'm crazy and, you know, challenge me about things and even try right. to, to, to prod a little bit more. So recognize that this takes time and it's not just one and done. And it may be that even our best intentions don't elicit the responses. I was taught a long time ago that I judge myself by my intentions, but the world judges me by my actions. So I can go into any of these family dynamics or work dynamics at the end of the year with the best of intentions, but my actions can spur unintended consequences that are completely beyond my scope when I'm walking into a situation. And then it comes down to how do I respond and how do I react, knowing that I might have done some harm, usually unintentional, but, you know, could be sometimes intentional. And what do I do? Right, right. No, I agree. We have, um, uh, I think, as you know, our company has uh, 30 fundamentals. And one of them that's coming to mind as you're talking about is assume positive intent. Mm-hmm. And like you said, your intent may be positive. Maybe the person didn't receive it that way. But again, if if the person you're interacting with, you know, if we can all just kind of say, OK, I think everyone's out here. You know, Brendan didn't mean any harm. He's coming from a positive place. I need to ask some clarifying questions or I need to share with how that either triggered me or didn't sit well with me. Um, so just to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But, but it can even be simpler than that. You know, I think back to a time when my kids were young and I have four kids, so they were in different activities. And if my son had a baseball game 
and my daughter had a recital. They were the same time on the same night. Which do I go to? Knowing that I'm intending to show both of them that I love them equally and not one more than the other. But I can't satisfy both because two things are happening in two different locations at the same time. So my intentions are to be even-handed and show that I love them equally. But if I choose one over the other, what is the message that I'm sending, at least for that event? Or what are the unintended consequences you know, right. 20 years later? Well, you went to his game or you went to her recital, and that made me feel X. Um, sometimes it's a conundrum that we can't overcome, but we just have to kind of say, I made the best decision that I could at the time with the facts that I had. Yep. Yeah. Love that. Well, I could certainly, uh, you know, certainly we could fill probably many, many episodes with uh, your wisdom and tips. Um, but I know one thing that we both wanted to make sure we had time to discuss is uh, your ribbon method. Yes. Yep. So I would love if you could share that uh, with our listeners. Sure. I take a, a piece of ribbon. I, I go to a fabric store and I get a piece of ribbon. It can be any color that you like. I typically choose green in part because I have an Irish background. Both my parents came from Ireland, but I also think of green as go. So it's a way to go forward in a progressive way. And the piece of fabric is um, a couple of inches long, maybe three or four inches long. And before I go to an event, I take out my ribbon and I hold it between my thumb and my forefinger. And I close my eyes and think about a happy time. I think about a happy occurrence. And I go a little bit deeper, like when I think of where I am, what do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? What do I touch? What do I taste in this situation to kind of bring all the senses back in? And I focus on that to the point where it becomes a happy spot that I can return to pretty quickly. And I just pause for a couple of seconds while that sinks in and just keep reflecting on, on that circumstance. And then I take this ribbon and I may have it in my pocket, uh, shirt pocket, pants pocket or something. Um, when I'm running races, I would often just pin it to my shirt or my shorts mm. because when I struggle, if I touch the ribbon, it brings back the memory. There's a sensory perception that brings back that happy memory that allows me to get through the tough times. And, you know, if you have it in your pocket, it's not noticeable to other people, but you can put it in a spot where it's easily accessible to bring back that feeling, that sense of, of a happy place that can get through, get us through tough times. I love that. I'm going to run right over to Joanne Fabrics after we wrap up this episode. That's where I get my ribbons. And when oh. I talk to groups, <laughs> I often go to uh, to Joanne Fabrics over on displays and I'll get you know, two yards of ribbon or three yards of ribbon and cut them into three inch strips and distribute them and go through this exercise at, at one of the presentations. I love that. So I'm, I'm going to do that as I prepare for the uh, December holidays. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, great. Well, um, I know we wanted to talk about that. Is there anything else that either you wanted to highlight or reiterate or um, share before we wrap up this fabulous episode, Brendan? I really try to reiterate every day, wake up with a sense of gratitude. 
And one of the other things that I try to do on a regular basis, even though I'd like to do it every day, but I don't also do it, is just be grateful. Even when we're entering a stressful situation with family dynamics or work situations, be grateful for the opportunity that we're there. We can find plenty of examples around the world where we're in a situation that we would not be grateful to be in because of how challenging it is or how unsafe it is. But for each one of us on a daily basis, moment to moment, find something that we're grateful for. Two, three, five things that we could just jot down in bullet points. Because gratitude also stimulates the vagus nerve and helps us calm down and relax. And it gives us a different perspective. That yes, even though I may not have everything I want, I have some things that I can be grateful for. And it can be minimal. The idea that I'm at a dinner, that I have food to eat, that I have people in my life, et cetera. It can be very simple. It can be as simple as I have the ability to breathe pretty well today and I've got fresh air around me. So it doesn't have to be uh, a treatise on a philosophy, but it can just be a couple of things that remind us how fortunate and grateful we are to be where we are today. Yes. Well, I am grateful for you sharing uh, your time and your wisdom and uh, some fabulous ideas that I think are going to be easy for, I know, myself and certainly our listeners to be able to implement for this holiday season. So thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So one of the things, uh, as we wrap up, I always ask my guests, um, if you could live (laughs) Anywhere in the world, you have no time or financial, any type of like constraints on your answer. Where would you live and why? Hmm. At different times of my life, that has been a, would have been a different answer. I think that I would like to split my time between Colorado and Arizona. And the reason for that is sunshine and the ah, impact of yes. nature. And the idea of splitting it is because even though I live in Chicago, Midwestern winters aren't the best. But I like the idea of the sunshine in Colorado plus the beautiful mountains. And I like the warmth of the Arizona winters. I lived in Arizona and practiced in Arizona for eight years, and I loved it out there. Oh, nice. And you know, it brings me back to a happy spot. That's one of the happy spots that I have. So I remember the joys of Arizona, but the summertime's got a little bit warm. And so the the idea of having <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> spring, summer, and early fall in Colorado, and then the winter months in Arizona is really appealing to me because of sunshine and the interaction with nature. Yeah, sounds ideal. I have a sister who lives in the foothills outside of Denver. And, it, you know, it is true, the 300 days of sunshine there. Yeah. So I I get it. Well, great. Well, thanks again, Brendan. Um, If any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do so? My website is coachbrendan.com. You can also reach me by email at coach at coachbrendan.com. Wonderful. Thank you. And thank Thank you, Nicole, for the opportunity. And thank you, Nicole, for uh, giving us this conversation. Because I, you know, one of the words that came up early in this con- early in your conversation was anticipation, and I think a lot of us are anticipating. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of the different season. things at the holiday time. 
So, <laughs> unfortunately, I, you we, know. We laugh now, Bill, so we don't cry, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. I I know some people that I'm going to recommend the ribbon technique to. I think that that would be how I would leave. I think I'm just going to go buy out all the ribbon and give them the ribbons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Well, we know how to get in touch with Brendan, but before we get out of here, Nicole, how do people get to reach out and get in touch with you to continue the conversation with you? Yeah, so they can go to our website, which is myprivatevista.com. And on our homepage, there's a contact us button. You can put in your information. Please reference that you are following up from this podcast episode. And um, I will be happy to get in touch with you or have one of my fabulous colleagues do so. Or you can send an email to info at myprivatevista.com and again, reference the podcast episode and myself or one of my colleagues will get in touch in short order. That's great. And listeners, thank you for your time. And just like there's that contact button on Nicole's page, there's a contact button there that you're looking at called subscribe. You can hit it if you're not already a subscriber. That way, you will never miss another one of these podcasts, which I'm sure you do not want to do. Thank you for listening. If you like it, rate it, please, and share it with others so that we can spread the word about this podcast. On behalf of Nicole and everybody at Private Vista, I'm Bill Tucker, urging you, do not wait. Live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.